0: Press play on the Inside, Inside Sales
1: Show, powered by the Sales IQ Network.
0: My name is Daryl Prale. I'm your host, and you, my friend, well, you and I, we're going to go on a journey every single week talking to the industry's most accomplished sales legends as they share with us their tips their tricks their techniques and their tactics to become sales rock stars you simply need to do what they're doing and you will achieve similar nirvana if you like to laugh you like to be entertained if you like to go off on tangents and tell stories you're going to love what you're going to hear next sit back relax it's going to get real is everybody doing today? Oh my goodness. I am pumped. Let me tell you, pumped, stoked, excited about this next episode. And I think the reason I'm excited about it is because it kind of does, it blends my loves. It blends my passion for marketing, what I would call marketing. You can be the judge when the episode is done with my passion for sales. That's one of the biggest conversations we have anymore is, you know, you you still have talk about sales and marketing alignment. We're not talking about sales and marketing alignment today, but we talk about sales and marketing alignment, how important that is. And one of the things I like to tell people over and over again is that it's not sales. It's not marketing. It's revenue. Those two practitioners of two different crafts are a team working together to achieve revenue. I was given this example recently about to a friend of mine. I said, it's like being on a soccer pitch or for my European friends, a football pitch, right? I said, you've got your defenders and you've got your strikers, but together you can cover the length of the entire pitch. All right. But you need each other. You need each other. They serve different roles. Okay. So what happens when you take the best skills of 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 a defender and the best skills of a striker, the best skills of a marketer, best skills of a sales rep. When you bring them together, what you generate is a revenue machine. It's incredible. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to kind of set the tone because, you know, I like doing that. Way back in 2006, I had just, as the CMO, sold this company that had been brought on nine months earlier with a three-year mission. They brought on a new CEO and he hired me. The two of us were tandemed together to sell this company. We had a three-year window. We did it in nine months. It was crazy the stuff we did. We displaced the number one vendor in the space within that nine months. We were number three. So what happened was they bought us because they took out the competition And all the investors got their money. And a big appeal to them was that they also got the management team because that management team had just kicked their ass and they wanted that talent. So the story goes. It's a story we've all heard before. Fast forward a month after the deal closes, boom, I'm gone. A week later, boom, the rest of my former management team gone. Okay, it is what it is. Didn't see that coming. I should have, but I didn't. My own pride and ego and vanity blinded me. Lessons learned. So I'm sitting there going for the first time in my life, <clears throat> I, I don't know, I don't have a job. I have to go look for a job. I've been recruited. I've, I I, I look for a job once and I never look for a job again. Like this is nuts. What do I do? And I realized that if I was going to be a good marketer, that I needed to get myself a job. So back in 2006, I did some crazy things. I said, okay, Prail, let's see what kind of a marketer you are. And I built myself my own website. I wasn't a website builder myself. I'd hired people for that before, but you know, money's tight because I just got let go. So built myself my own website, bought myself my own domain, created my own email addresses, at, you know, Daryl at darylprail.com. And then I started getting radical. And I talked to my, my, my community and I found a network. My network gave me 11 names of companies that they thought were really hot and happening and hiring in, in my community. Right, that was my target audience. And then I, I took a picture of myself holding a pretend piece of uh, paper, like a, like a banner. And then I went and downloaded some free software, some paint software, and I put you know a white piece of uh, a square between my two hands. It looked like I was now holding a piece of paper. And then I, I customized that picture 11 times. And I would say, ABC Inc. needs Daryl Prail. Learn more at darylprail.com slash ABC Inc. And then I went to the Walmart. And I printed those off for 29 cents a pop. And then I went to the local coffee shops so in Canada. That's Tim Hortons. And I wanted their coffee cups, but they wouldn't give me the coffee cups because they can. So I, I gave them 20 bucks for their day camp where they send kids every year. And in exchange for that 20 bucks, they gave me a ream of cups. So I got this ream of cups that are Tim Hortons. And then I bought roughly 12 or so, 13, $2 coffee coupons from Tim Hortons. So finally, I went and got some very fancy, fancy stationery. And I went out with with an envelope and I got a fountain pen. So this is what I did. In the stationery, I personalized, I wrote a note to every single one of them. And I said, dear Ms. CEO, Jane Smith, I have noticed your company's got some problems, A, B, and C. I can fix them. Learn how I'll do it by going to dearapparel.com slash A, B, C. And I put that in the fancy envelope and on it, I said, let's meet for coffee. So they got a coffee invite with the coffee coupon in the coffee cup with a picture of me holding a URL, a a picture of a website specific to them. I then put it inside a six by six by six inch cube box and I two day FedExed it to each of them. Why that? Why not an envelope or something smaller? because I knew if I made it multidimensional, any gatekeepers would go, this box is weird, and they would hand deliver it to the actual CEO and say, open this box. And then I sat back and I watched my visitor count for every single one of those landing pages that I had created. And so two days later, I saw that they had been delivered, I watched the count, and as soon as it went up, plus one, ding! I picked up the phone and I called them and I say, hi, Miss Smith, this is Daryl Prale. By now you've got my coffee date. I'm calling to confirm the date that works for you. And they'd be like, well, how do you know that I've got it? And I said, well, because I tracked the package because I'm looking at the site counter and by now you've read my offer, I'll come to you. Of those 11, I got seven interviews with CEOs. Of those seven interviews, I got four job offers. That was radical. That tactic then got put into a book called Guerrilla Marketing for Job Hunters. It's had three or four editions. And they called it The Coffee Caper. In that book, the author, David Perry, who's a recruiter, he talks about how what he did one time when he wanted to hire this phenomenal CTO but couldn't get a hold of him, was he rented a food truck that that, the, the recruiter always went to outside their office every single day. And he actually paid the owner of the food truck to let him staff it for the next week. And on the third day, that CTO finally came to the food truck. And then he was able to say, dude, I've got an offer for you. And because of the food truck angle, because nothing else had worked, he got that CTO, hired him for his client, made his big ass commission. Life is good. In both of these scenarios, I was selling myself, David Perry was selling his recruitment services. And what they managed to do was actually close a deal. That's really the best. They got the prospect. They did their pitch. They overwhelmed them. And they got the deal. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Go to VanillaSoft.com. Too many of you are hiding behind doing the same old, same old, and you wonder why your results reflect what you're doing. It's exactly what your competition is doing, and today, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna have some fun and talk about some examples of what you could do to change the game like I did, like my friend did, and there's no better person than the person who did this to me, Victor Vadis. He is the founder of Sell Me This Pen. Check him out at sellmethispen.com. Ironically, another sales recruitment firm. But he didn't he didn't corner me when he was here. He cornered me when he was a rep just like you. And he had a commission that he wanted to achieve. He had a quota he had a hit. And he targeted me. Victor, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Hey, Daryl, thank you so much for having me here. Super excited.
0: All right. So let's start with this the story. Let's tell the world, what did you do to get my attention? I'll let you tell the story. And then what I what I might do is I might tell you afterwards, I'll tell the audience how I reacted to what he his his antics, if you will, his tactics were when I experienced them as the recipient. So let's start with that story. Go for it.
1: Yes. So I was selling leads at the time and we were attending a lot of events and you attended the MarTech in Boston back in your uh, vanilla soft days. Actually, I wasn't there. I was there the day after for another convention. So someone from my team gave me a bunch of business cards of folks that they had talked to. And the business card I'm referring to is actually right here. It's a collectible at this point. And... (laughs) The reason why I really wanted to talk to you is because on your first, you had told my colleague that you might be potentially interested in buying leads. And then there on your Twitter handle, it said opinionated. I was like, okay, that's funny. I want to talk to this person. There's something about this person that I want to learn, and this kind of sparked my curiosity. And so then I checked your LinkedIn and I saw that you were so active. Because I, I didn't know you, I didn't know you before. And I was like, all right, this guy's putting himself out there, he's having this crazy content. I have to talk to him. So I sent you an email very candidly saying, All right, well, you talked to my colleague, sounds like you might be interested. Let's chat. No answer. What's up? <laughs> so <laughs> now there's a phone number in there with an extension. So as a seasoned sales guy, I come. Voicemail. No answer. All right. Well, you're active on LinkedIn. I'll send a LinkedIn message, LinkedIn request. I reach out, no answer. Okay, this guy's busy, <laughs> there's something. I'm pretty sure I sent a video to you on LinkedIn, no answer. And that cycle kept on going. And the only reason why I kept on going was first told told my colleague, all right, might be an interest. And in my book, it's way more than enough to be able to follow up with someone. And then that Twitter handle again, I'm like, there's something fun about this guy and I, I want to connect with him. I want to learn more about what he's trying to achieve. And uh, I think I, I counted at a time, it took probably 13 points for me to, to be able to connect with you. And then we. it's a story for another time, but we went through the sales cycle. I remember you telling me, Oh, you're asking me for the business. I like it. And I'm like, okay, this guy's super seasoned about the sales stuff. And I could tell we were going to get along well. And this is why I was pursuing the opportunity so much because from a, you know, human to human perspective, we were connecting, I thought, very well. And so this is why I was like, I need to to do business with this person. So that's my side of the story, but we'd love to to hear on your side how it is to to be on the receiving end.
0: Okay. So... When you listen to that folks, you're thinking to yourself, well, I do that. I do multi-channel outreach. Well, back in the day, not a lot of people were doing multi-channel outreach when Victor and I first met. And that's the first part. Second part was what Victor's not telling you is the tone. His messages were, <laughs> it was, you could tell it was almost a game to him. Like he wasn't taking himself seriously per se. He was like, okay, I've done this. I've done this. and I've done this. Maybe this will work. Right. And, and I was getting them, and I would uh, go, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. But, and then after a while, I'm like, okay, this guy's got Moxie. And I I think it, I don't know if it was the video. I can't remember exactly what it was, but you had done something that was definitely outside the box. And I finally, I he wore me down because I'm like, this cat deserves a call because he is, chasing me. He's fun. He is trying every tactic. He's different from the rest. He stood out. That's the best way I can say Victor stood out with his tone, with his style, with his technique, and with his pure persistence of, travel, of pursuing me, I, I just laughed. Yeah, you got it. And, and Victor and I connected right away because of that. Now, Victor and I had never met before. But we established a bond because he was, he, I re, as a marketer, I respect him, let alone as a sales colleague, I respect. I, he had my double respect on that one. But that's just the warming act. I want to talk about some crazy stuff that you've done. And the whole point here, folks, is I want you to start thinking outside the box. Are there key accounts that you're targeting maybe anchor accounts you want to go after, whale accounts, maybe they're targeted accounts, you know, target account selling or account-based marketing, you know, large accounts that you really want and you're not getting traction with them. As Victor described initially with me, what are some tactics that you could do that might catch their attention? So Victor, let's just kind of, because this is what you do over and over Again, you're, you're just, you're notorious for this. So let's talk about some, maybe some examples that worked that were really crazy as well as I will, I want to know, like, have you ever done something that didn't work that you go, oof, but Hey, I tried. So where do you want to go first? Let's do something. Let's do something like an example or two or three, of crazy out of the box stuff that worked really well for you.
1: Yeah, for sure. The number one I can share is the simplest one. And I love being, uh, I love games. To your point earlier, and I love the the whole sales craft and the uncertainty and you know, thinking uh, outside the box. And so the the number one I have is pre COVID. I was selling leads, and there was this big VP marketing kind of like you at the time, who I knew was a potential whale for me. And I checked his LinkedIn profile, and deep down in the you know bio section, there was the fact that he likes drones. So I went on Amazon, I got a drone for like 25 bucks. I shipped it to my house. I kind of unpacked it and made it easy for him to already assemble. I repacked it and I put a note in there and I said, uh, play with this for two minutes and then call this number, my phone number, my cell phone. Very cryptic, no information, no business card, no note, no nothing shipped it to his office with his name. Same kind of with you, I had the signature and everything. And why do you know? After I got the email, probably an hour later, I get the call and I'm like, well, thanks so much. I saw you like drone. I thought I would send you something you can use in the office. And here's why I'm, what I'm in full transparency. I didn't close the contract, but at least I got the call. And I thought, okay, this was good, but this is something that I used to do pre-COVID a lot. Now with remote work and everything, it's, uh, it's getting tougher. I can share a second one that I have right now. I, want, I want you
0: to, but I want to stop there for a second. And there's going to be people out there right now saying, well, I can't do a drone to every single person that I, I want to talk to. Okay, you can, and let me explain why, okay? Because you're thinking like a sales rep who's just, you know, hammering the phone and sending emails. As a marketer, I look, a big thing I look at is customer acquisition cost, my CAC, C-A-C, right? And part of that is cost per lead. Part of that is cost per conversation, all right? So, for example, it's not uncommon for me to get, for a Google pay-per-click lead, just a lead, to be two to $300 per lead. That's very, very normal because I'm going to spend, you know, maybe $10,000 a month, an example, it's simple math. Right. And I, and if I only get, you know, what's that five times 10, 50 leads at a $10,000 spend, that's 200 bucks. My math is right. That's 200 bucks a, a lead. So if you're going to go spend 200 bucks on a cheap, you know, it's not, a, he didn't say I got in my DJI mini three, I got him you know, something for the office, then you're actually less than my, that $200. So you're actually saving me money as a marketer. I want you to think that way. Some of these things you're, you're going to give me an objection to what Victor is saying, I'm going to push back onto you and say, you're looking at it wrong. You can look at it in the big picture. Anyway, that was just the marketer and me speaking. Next example.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I have a cheap example, if you want something that costs nothing. So when COVID hit, we're big on events in our industry. And the event got canceled literally three days before it was supposed to happen. We were given a list of all the attendees that we supposed to meet there. I and mean, it's a lot of business, a lot of money. And so what I did is I took Photoshop. I, I took a class 15 years ago on <laughs> Photoshop. so I have like basic skills. And I created an email with a scenario saying, hey, this is what the the interaction was supposed to look like. And I put the booth that we were supposed to have, I put two of our reps sitting in front of it, and I did the scenario. And it's like, well, I was supposed to say, hey, what brought you to the event? And then you were supposed to say, hey, well, I might be on the lookout for some leads. And then I was supposed to say this and this. I did the whole conversation. And then I said, well, if you want to continue the conversation that unfortunately we can't have because of COVID, Just hit uh, the link and let's book some time. And I got 65% reply rate on this one with crazy good uh, comments on how creative it was. And, you know, kind of like the chuckle they got from, uh, from reading the email and just uh, try to turn a negative situation into a a positive one.
0: And so that's 65% response rate. So notice he didn't say he had 65% people, you know, respond and buy, but he had 65% response rate. That's because not everybody's in a situation where they can buy right now. But in Victor's case, you know, everybody needs leads eventually. So when the time comes for leads, Victor's going to be top of mind uh, uh, compared to every other person out there. Part of that assumes that Victor continues the dialogue afterwards through LinkedIn. They do a connection, maybe the occasional uh, sequence or cadence that they touch base periodically. But it starts with that. That's the start of a relationship For them to reply is huge. Look at the example where he's trying to prospect me. I ignored so many of his initial overtures. For them to reply means they bought into you. That is a huge buying signal. So that's killer. I love that one. Now, that was the Photoshop. I want to talk about your blog story. Tell me about your blog story.
1: Yeah, so same gig selling leads. We were really active in the home security space. And there was obviously I was saying to marketing. So marketers have this tendency of putting themselves out there. So that creates a lot of things we can use from a sales perspective to engage with them and and kind of stand Mm out. And so this person was big on blogging and he had just wrote an article a day before I started my interest around his firm, where his title was, are you getting robbed by your home security provider? And then it was a, a big article. And so I rewrote the article saying, are you getting robbed by your lead generation provider? And I transformed everything he was saying from a home security perspective to a lead generation perspective. And I wrote the article and I sent it his way. And six minutes after hitting send, I got a reply from him saying, all right, when can we chat? And it probably took me 45 minutes to to write the the, the blog article, rewrite it for it to make sense. And you're like, well, I'm not gonna spend forty-five minutes every time I want to reach out to someone. But sometimes you kind of feel those things, and I felt this was the right thing to do, and I felt this was gonna work. And I, for me, there was no other option than for this person to reply to me. It was inevitable. Really.
0: So I love what Victor's saying there because it ties back like what he was. It wasn't just the antic. The antic was was actually inspired because he's playing to the guy's passion, and the and the recipient of that can see the effort. He knows that Victor has truly read his blog, and then he's played it on him. And, and We all respect that professionally, and then we get a we get a chuckle out of it. It's it's funny. It's genuinely funny, and and it's also if that formula of trying to convince somebody why you need a home you know, security system is if they thought that was the formula of reaching out to engage his audience, that formula being used back on them should equally work because they're the ones who create the formula in the first place. But the point he made here was, I want to really hammer on him, was he said, I can't do that 45 minutes for everybody. Remember my story, the coffee caper, I targeted 11 companies. I did not target 500 companies. I targeted 11 companies as my initial Phase. This, I, I use the story about, you know, a specific target list, whales, or, or your, your large, you know, accounts that you're going to your target accounts you're going to go after. These are where you'd want to use that. The other thing is, is for Victor to see this blog, Victor had to not only be following the company, Victor had to be following The key people in that account, the key contacts, you know, the head of sales, the head of marketing, head of ops, head of finance, whatever it might be, and who are your target personas. That means he was monitoring their feeds. He was monitoring their feeds. So if you monitor the feeds, then that becomes a chance for you to actually get really hyper-personalized and contextual with them with your outreach to them, exactly like Victor did. Now, we are going to get to some negatives but I opened up talking about an example of it's not sales versus marketing. It's a revenue team. Just like on a sports team, you could have your your strikers and, and, and your defenders working together to win the match. So you've got a sports team example. I love this example. This is guerrilla marketing. Talk to us about that example.
1: Yeah. So CEO of a pretty large company, more than 5,000 employees. It's a big call center firm. And I checked his LinkedIn profile and we started our partnership programs with our with call centers. And on LinkedIn, it said he was a big fan of my own team, which is PSG, which is a football slash soccer team out in, in Paris, France. And at the time, that was three years ago, there were rumors that Zidane, he's the greatest yep. soccer player in France, if not in the world, was going to... Do something with Paris. Uh, But nothing was too clear. And so there's the the biggest news uh, outlet in France for sports. It's called L'Equipe. And so everybody goes on the website and we know the graphic charts and everything. So I went on the website and Zidane was announced in a different club. But if you go on a website, you right click and you go inspect, it's easy to change a title and uh, make it look the way you want. So instead of Zidane going to whichever club, I I wrote Zidane going to PSG. And I took a screenshot of that, and I wrote to him, and the subject line was Zidane to PSG. And at the very top, without saying hello, whatever, I put my screenshot. So I know it's, it's a fake one, but it's sports. It's not like I'm deceiving him or disappointing him. It's really lighthearted. And I said... Okay. Do I have your attention now? I'm so sorry. It's not true. I made that up, but I just wanted you to open the email and here's why I'm reaching out to you. I think 15 minutes later, I get a response saying, ah, oh, dude, come on. You can't joke with that stuff. You know, it would be insane if this guy is actually going to join our, our team, etc. but here you should talk to this person and uh, you know, let's get the ball rolling. And I felt bad in a way because I never lied to anyone when I'm trying to sell something. But this was more lighthearted, sports related. So, no harm, no foul.
0: But again, and you disclosed it right away. You said, I'm just, you know, you were fully transparent. And again, anybody who is carrying a budget, which means they're a target by the sales rep, they understand the process. They understand how hard it is to be a sales rep. They're empathetic to you. So, yes, we may not always reply to you. But if you hook us, you know, we're gonna give you time of day out of just pure respect. What is it always successful? Or have you had some some tactics that perhaps you thought were gonna be brilliant? They were outside of the box, but perhaps they didn't turn out the way you thought they would would have turned out.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously it doesn't always work out, right? That's the gamble you take every day as a as a hunter, as a salesperson who's doing outbound prospecting. The number one example of my biggest failure of all is probably video prospecting. So back in 2018, <laughs> with a company not too far from where you are, Vidyard and all the buzz surrounding video prospecting, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get on that train. So I beefed up my equipment at home and I got a better camera, better lightning, etc. And I proceeded to record 125 hyper-personalized videos to targeting 125 different marketers that were ICP for me. And I spent, I don't want to say anything, probably three days producing all these videos. So that's three days full of hard work. And I'm not like you, Daryl. I'm not too comfortable in front of a camera. So (laughs) I'm like trying. I look at myself. I'm like, ah, dude, you sound like so weird. So let's do another take, another take. So those 125 were probably like 600 different recordings at some point. And I sent the whole thing. I'm like, all right, you know, I did what the hype told me to do. And I got a big fat zero amount of meeting booked. And I was like, okay, I'm not ditching video prospecting out. I'm just saying in my, at the time it didn't work. And I tried, you know, doing the whole, the waving your hand, the board, showing their website, showing... I don't know, their LinkedIn profile showing something that I know is going to, you know, really resonate with them and video prospecting, (laughs) not even once is what I'm going to see.
0: Well, let's close on a good news story. Talk to me about how you close the largest deal of your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's standing out. that's doing crazy things, but not necessarily towards prospects, more towards your environment. And so at the time I was selling fiber optics. We're in a big office in Montreal and it was somebody's birthday and I have to admit, not somebody I particularly enjoyed working with at the time. So everybody was enjoying their cake in the kitchen and it was 3 p.m. on a Friday. So typically as a sales guy, you're doing your admin work and you're wrapping up your stuff. And I decided to go in what we used to refer to as the graveyard, which was the place in the CRM where accounts weren't under anyone's name. And so you could just go in there, pick a few accounts and then work them the week after. And now I realize there's this huge firm that hasn't been named under anyone. So I'm like, well, that's strange. Let me just give them a call. This was pre-COVID, that's probably 2016, 2017. People were still answering at their desk phone. So I call, legit, connect with the guy directly. And he's like, oh, it's so funny. I was going to give you guys a call on Monday. But the thing is, I was still considered a junior sales guy. So had the guy called, and he would have been an inbound lead, he would have given the project to someone much more experienced than I was. But since I was the one cold calling him, creating the opportunity, I kept the account. And so fast forward six months later, a seven digits deal, biggest deal of my entire career. And it wouldn't have happened if I first enjoyed that person, my colleague. And second, if I were just doing my typical admin on a Friday afternoon, I decided, all right, you know what? There might be a chance. And sometimes you have to be lucky as well in in these uh, tactics.
0: And what I love about that is it shows that sometimes when you're thinking outside the box, it doesn't have to always be a tactic. Like the majority of today's episode has been about. It can simply be a behavioral thing. It can be what is nobody else doing? Because, you know, in marketing terms, we would call that a blue ocean, right? We talk about, and then it applies to sales. So the the metaphor is you can play in the red ocean, which is where, you know, when you put fish in the water and all the sharks are, and they're all trying to, they're all fighting each other for the same chum, the same bait, and there's blood in the water. And the metaphor there is all the sharks are, are, are every single vendor or service provider out there. You're all fighting over the same possible deal. And it's just red everywhere. Or you can go to the blue ocean where nobody else is. All right. It's uncharted waters, but there's no competition. And if you do the right tactics or you do the right processes, or you take the right initiative, you will get attention and you will get activity. And that's an example of thinking outside the box, not being a sheep, if you will. In today's politically charged environment, you don't have to always be sheeple. You can simply be that individual who goes and kicks ass on your own terms. Anyway, those are just some fun examples. I gave an example. I talked about my other friend, the author, their example. But most of all, I wanted to talk about Victor, who I've developed a phenomenal friendship with. He's an amazing guy. Now, Victor, talk to me about sell this pen. Like, I want to know more about this. This is something that because you, instead of you being the sales rep employee, you're now the boss. So, talk to us about sell me this pen. By, by the way, love the name. Thank
1: you so much. Yeah, yeah. Sell me this pen. I started last September after three years as a VP sales, structuring a team. I had a ton of fun, you know, hiring, onboarding training, coaching, and developing sales folks. And then it was time for me to jump ship and start my own business. I actually was asked to do a few headhunting gigs on the side as a VP to help French firms break into the U.S. market. And I really enjoyed it, and my clients were happy. And then they kept on asking more and more, and then kind of word of mouth, it became very organic. And so I decided I have a business now. And then our big team of five and we're helping, I want to say seed to series B firms, hire the best uh, sales talent. I also retain them because it's, that's a big topic. We cover from VR to leadership roles. That's us uh, in a nutshell.
0: So if you go to sell me this pen.net guys, you will see that Victor actually just lied to you. All right. He said there, there was a team of five, but it's not true. There's a team of six. There is Lulu, the office dog, who apparently sniffs the best talent and snores during the interviews. That's the best job of the entire office. So check out, you'll see a picture of Lulu. She looks like she's the hardest working one there. Anyway, that's some this pen.net. And this folks is Victor Vadis. You can find him on LinkedIn. It's very straightforward. It's linkedin.com slash in slash Victor Vadis. And that last name is V-A-T-U-S. Of course, Vadis is just the English. Uh, we were having this whole conversation, and uh, see if I get it right in the French. You said "batus." But am I even close when I say that? Vatus En français. Batus. Bet- 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 he's got it. Oh, it's it's like it's like it's your name. But Batus. You sound so. Much, you sound so fancy when you do that. I love it. <laughs> because I am. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I love it. Anyway, folks, that's Victor. Check him out. He's a lot of fun. And uh, and I'm Daryl. And I hope you enjoyed this week. A little different episode. But I really want to encourage you to just, you know, do something different. As the old expression goes, I'm a big believer in it. Why be normal? That's boring. If you like today's show, there's more. There's more coming next week. And there's almost 200 episodes in the can. That's right. We're not far off from our 200th episode, folks. So you can check it all out inside. InsideSales.com, or as we like to say, the Inside Inside Sales Show. You take care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.